Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. In 2014, a failed stand-up comic entered a contest called The Hunt for the Host. He did not win. Later, he was joined by an underperforming Oregon State fullback with a community college degree. These men, neither having earned the position and possessing no real skills, continue on as radio personalities. If you have nothing better to do on a Saturday morning, and if you can find them, maybe you can hear The Sinner and the Saint. Starring Luke Anderson. Get on it, we got on a uh, we got a gentleman's clubs. Oh. How you like those? Oh, pay him, buddy. Mickey Mouse, no. It is now. Devolved into that. And Will Darkens. Ear or eye? Where do you want it? On 1080 The Fan. <laughs> Hour number two of The Sinner and The Saint. Ryan Buckley here this Saturday morning filling in for Luke Anderson, who's out on vacay. I am joined by regular member of this program, Will Darkins. Behind the board, behind the glass. Will Darkins, regular member of this program here. That is you. And what what says on my business card. Underachieving uh, Oregon State fullback. Is that right? Is that what it said in 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 the open? That is, in fact, correct. But aren't you like a big national music writer now? Isn't that what you do now? Uh, I do a little bit of that. Big national music writer. I wouldn't go as far as to say big. I would. Writing for uh, Radio.com and uh, posting some Taylor Swift and corn articles. Oh, baby. Corn. Let me tell you something about that band. Freak on a Leash. Uh, I didn't I realize one of them is like uh, is a Jesus guy now. Like really religious, really like devoutly, yeah. Which huh. you know, it's kind of weird because so corn, they've become pod. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, a little bit. One of them is. He had kind of like a revelation because I think he was an alcoholic. Okay. But Ooh. it's weird because you got that mixed with corn being corn, right? Like you've heard corn, right? I've heard freak on a leash. That's, yeah, that's basically it. Like that's as much as you need to know about what they bring to the table, which is some nasty s. I'm just saying. It's a little weird. Okay. Well, so I am hanging out with esteemed music writer Will Darkins this morning. Not just questionable fullback. What was it? Underachieving fullback. Uh, contri- uh, normal contributor to the show. Normal contributor to the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are talking a little sports this morning on this show after we uh, pivot away from uh, growing genitals on forearms. Well, but, I also would like to point out somebody uh-huh. texting in 503-250-1080 on the fan text line. We, we talked about this, right? Uh our earlier conversation in hour one, where did you hide your beer mm-hmm. in your dorm room? Somebody made yep. the um, pick of a laundry hamper, dirty laundry. Yep. That's a good pick, but you know, you got to position it just enough. So it's between clothes because if you keep it at the bottom, yeah. people will see the outline of the cans. Agreed. Yeah. No, I, I think that's wise. Um, the other person on here saying the un- a hole in the underside of my mattress in the dorm now, I guess that could get uncomfortable, but if you if it was just a temporary hiding spot, maybe that works. I mean, if you really need to drink, then you'll do anything. The person says, for the beer. 
and the weed. <laughs> now, weed, it wouldn't work that well. Not that, and that is why you need well, I think to be more comfortable a, to sleep on weed than sleep on beer. Well, people are going to smell the weed. Oh, that's true. Now, let me let me tell you something. I'm going to give my kid this suggestion. Okay, I'm going to say, look, at some point in college, you might want to smoke some pot. Maybe even in high school. Hmm. You don't know what that is yet. But what I recommend to you is, thirteen-year-old child of mine, start wearing cologne now. Just start doing it now because if you do it on a consistent basis and you smoke pot before you go to class, I see you where put cologne on, people won't think anything because they'll go, eh, that's cologne guy. Well, see, I think, I mean, not just before you go to class, but in general, I think if you reach an age where you're supposed to be experimenting with drug use and you start suddenly smelling like cologne, yes. it, you know, sets off the uh, the radar for the, the parentals, the teachers, people That's like right. that. That's right, yeah. yeah. And so then when they ask your friends and they try to co- corroborate So you're as- saying always be a cologne guy and you won't ever have to worry about smelling like That's weed or right. booze. That's right. Okay. That's right. Just be a consistent cologne guy. Because for the most part, uh, there's nothing wrong with cologne guy unless he's intense cologne guy. Yeah, too much cologne guy is a little bit of a problem. Yes, but if you're wearing just the right amount, which is you take your ring finger, you put it over the little bottle thing, and then you do two taps on the neck, that's enough. So you go ring finger. Who taught you that? I think I just naturally did it. Interesting. I don't think, I I don't feel like I use my ring finger for anything, ever. Other than a ring? Well, yeah, it holds my ring. Now, do you have people point things out with their ring finger? Never. I, I've seen the pinky point, which I like. I've seen the, the single point. Sure. And then, obviously, there's the bird, but that's not really point as much as it is. Sometimes I will use the bird for, like... To point for, well, Actually, for, like, buttons, for touching, like, radio, dot, oh, you know, sure. like, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. You but, know what, uh, though? I've noticed with an older generation that they use the bird to point stuff out. Like, like Xers and, uh, and boomers, like if you're like asking about something on a computer screen and they have to point it out, they're like, no, 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 this is what I was looking at. Right. Like they'll use their middle finger. And that was kind of off putting to me initially. When you're like a little kid, you're like, that's the bad finger. Yeah. Yeah. And then I started noticing like more and more people from that generation were using the middle to point stuff out. And I was kind of like, oh, I guess that's what they do. I don't know. Major League Baseball is might have to give the middle finger to their season coming up here because uh, now we have after the Miami Marlins have been shut down until at least Monday after Mm. they've got, I think, some 18 cases now within their organization. And who didn't see that coming, by the way? Well, you know what? It's interesting. Uh, I don't think the Marlins did initially because they were fine when they left Miami. It got bad after their exhibition games in Atlanta when a report from Bob Nightingale says they went out to the club and then they showed up in Philly and that's when the outbreak started. So uh, now, though, we have a team that hasn't come into any contact with the Marlins also turning in more positive tests. It's the St. Louis Cardinals. Yesterday they had two. Today they have four more. Yesterday's game got canceled or postponed. Same with today. Maybe I'm simple oversimplifying this too much. It seems to me like we have a situation now where sports in a bubble are going to work and sports not in a bubble may not. At least with that many bodies, do you see baseball season? And, I, and this is a precursor for us. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but if baseball can't figure it out, I'm not sure how football does. I'm not saying they can't, but they're going to have to do things a lot differently because baseball seems like it's in real peril right now. Baseball is in peril. And I think that baseball, to be quite honest, didn't even really want this. You might be right. I'm kind of starting to think that they didn't really even want to do this because I think that there was a, there was a really concerted effort behind how the NBA was trying to come back and do the bubble league and everything. And you had a full on 
like full on focused public relations campaign to promote this thing. Mm -hmm. Meaning you had Adam Silver on television probably two, three times a week talking about it on national TV. You had him and players talking about it. And he allowed the players to bring up what grievances or concerns that they would have. Yeah. Because in his mind, he goes, look, if I'm going to try this thing, we have to promote the S out of it. We have to have everybody on board and we have to be completely transparent. Bingo. Buy in. The second thing you said there, have everyone on board for the longest time. The baseball guys, they couldn't even agree on, they couldn't agree on money. They couldn't agree on protocol. They like, there were so many basic things. We don't even, like you said, there wasn't this over like overarching, we need to play. We want to play. Sentiment is like, well, if these guys stop screwing us, maybe we'll play. That yeah. was baseball's attitude. Yeah. And, you know, it just adds more to the idea that I, I think baseball, you know, give it another 10 years. That, that sport's dead. It's friggin' dead to a new generation. I I'm hope sorry. Not. I know you baseball hater. I hate baseball because of the fact that they're so indignant about change. It's so stupid. And, you know, I hear some of the guys on they're this They're changing station. a lot. Oh, they don't change anything. New extra inning rules will. Dude, they just paint. They they put paint over S-colored walls. That's all they do. And that's what they've been doing up until this point, too. And, you know. I generally uh, tend to agree with that sentiment. They, Baseball does a lot of patching and not a lot yes, of real fixing. The very fact. No remodeling going on there. Just and, slap a new coat on. And I think that this is going to be a starting point for baseball becoming a hockey uh, in the next 10 years, because niche? that's what hockey Becoming is a niche sport. Yeah, hockey is for the most part in the United States. That's what it's been. Hey, hockey starts today, by the it way. Does. Yeah, that's fine. But what I'm trying to say is that you've had three things happen here in the last couple months. And really in this year that have just started this cycle. One MLB didn't ban the Astros. They didn't do it right. They literally should have just said Astros. You're done for the season. That's it. Anybody on that team, sorry to tell you, that's how this is. You're done for the season. You're out. I don't hate that. Um, so they enabled them. The coronavirus happened. Really not much of their fault. But the resulting thing was that you had a bunch of players who revealed exactly who they are, which is they don't love this game. They love money. That's it. And for young people, for people in Generation Z, they want to look up to and they want to emulate people that love what they do and have passion. Baseball players don't have passion. They're all petty. There's a lot of petty. I think there is also a lot of passion. And the huge pitching thing that happened with the Dodgers and Astros, that's literally just petty lemonade. But that's I think that's painting with a dangerously broad brush because you you think everybody doesn't have the passion or just just enough of them to make it. I think it's very broad of a lot of them that just don't have passion for the sport whatsoever. Because I think they know that there's a massive payday in it, and they know that this is one of the only American sports where there's insane guaranteed money. How, how's Bryce Harper been doing? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, pretty terrible since he got all that money from Philly. Yeah, it's true. Now, why is it that every single one of these players, once they get paid insane amounts of money, starts sucking? It's because Be- they get complacent. Exactly. Rest on your laurels. That's that, and that's. Yeah. I feel like that's natural everywhere, though. But. You're right. You do see. But dude, think about it this way. They get some of the most guaranteed money mm-hmm. and they put their bodies in mm-hmm. the least amount of risk of any major sport. And you know what I wonder? I wonder how much of that is due to the nature of the sport being 162 games where it just feels like a slog and a grind. Yeah. I mean, is it like, I wonder, would there be more passion if they just permanently went to a 60 game schedule where every game meant three times as much? You know, I mean, I mean would, perhaps, that, would that change? Thing? I don't know. At but this you, point, but you, you might saying try that, it. But you saying that makes me think, okay, well, then how do you fix it? 
how how do you how do you change the passion element of it so that it does look like guys care? Honestly, you need some trans and dental star. You, you you need some just so it ain't Mike Trout. Yeah, it, it's not Mike Trout. Whose passion is to, the Weather Channel? You need what the NBA equivalent in the '80s was to Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. Because that's when the NBA actually started taking off. The NBA went And unfortunately, to... baseball's not that conducive to the head-to-head oh, no. -head matchup anyways. Dude, like, that... Even in football, you can be like, Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady, the yes. Colts. Page. I mean, they didn't physically play against each other, you know, Peyton tackling Tom, but you could build up that matchup. Yeah, and you need somebody that's going to take baseball into that player-driven league. Because baseball at this point is not a player-driven league. I don't even know what kind of league it honestly is. Well, the other thing, too, is I think consistently some of the most electric players are the pitchers, and they only throw everyone in five days. Yes. So. I, I just, I, I mean, that's what the NBA benefited from so much in the 1980s was the fact that you had Magic Johnson and Larry Bird going at it. It took it to ast uh, uh, atmospheric levels in the 90s with Michael Jordan becoming a global game. And it seems like the NBA has been able to uh, decade after decade past the torch. The NFL has done most of the same as well. They don't really do it through players, but they do it through teams. Teams kind of pass on torches. Somehow the Patriots have just been relevant for 20 years, but you had that happen from the 90s where you were kind of passing from the 49ers to the Cowboys to the Patriots to the yeah. uh, 2000s are kind of confusing to... Um, I don't know. In the 2010s, really, a lot of people won the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just feel like with baseball, it doesn't have an identity anymore, and this is what's been replaced. I think you may be right. I think that uh, they may struggle to gain more notoriety and identity if they can't finish this season, which yeah. it looks like that may be the case. Oh yeah. Um, another season that is very much up in the air. College football. They say they're going to be moving forward. We're not sure how that's going to go, how that's going to look, but the Pac-12 seemingly optimistic with their schedule release. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to The Center and Saint on 1080 Fan. Is that an accordion I hear? I don't know. Luke handles the music. I just threw in some random stuff. Interesting. I don't think I know the Mad Caddies. I, I don't either. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, his taste in music is like ska. I did know that he he has a uh, an affinity for that. He loves ska. He does. Which is like, I feel like ska was a bunch of dudes in the 90s who were like, hey. <laughs> who wore quirky crap. Who wore quirky crap. And they were like, um, oh, crap. What's that band name? Real Big Why Fish. Why am I blanking on this? Real Big Fish. Now, hold on. I'll get it. Meanwhile, enjoy the Mad Caddies. Oh, I, I feel like it was a bunch of dudes in the 90s who were all like, hey, do you like The Clash? Yeah, I like The Clash. Oh, what about you? You like, the oh, I love The Clash. Hey, do you like The Police? Oh, I love The Police. What if we just put that together? <laughs> that is an interesting interpretation of yeah. what ska is. What if, we, what if we just put The Clash and The Police together so we had the best of both things? Yeah, I don't know that I would think to put those two things together those two sounds together well but they maybe, did but maybe that's what we and have that was that was ska um danny cannell an interesting take on twitter i do want to get to that um coming up here but when i walked in today and we were just talking about what we were going to discuss in the show you said pack 12 and i said what about it and 
about the fact that the schedules are out. We want to talk about it, about how they're proceeding. And you said, what did you say? You said, I think I just waved my hand. Right? Nah. I think you, I think you said that this seems like, well, I'm not trying to find the exact words, but you oh, presumptuous presump. There it is. Yeah. Releasing the schedule seems presumptuous. So yesterday, the Pac-12 did come out with everyone's schedule for the upcoming football season starting on September the 26th. You don't think it's going to happen? No. <laughs> Not at all. I, I'm sorry, but I, I just I, I feel like there's this one thing that people keep forgetting. And I don't think the Pac-12 forgets it. I think that they're putting blinders on but I feel like the fans keep forgetting these are students. That's who they are, right? Mm -hmm. They're students first, athletes second. Now, this is where it gets confusing. If students aren't allowed on campus, how are the student athletes allowed to play? That doesn't, from a logic standpoint, really hold up a ton. If you're saying it's not safe for students to be there, but yet you want certain students to show up and generate revenue. Yes. That is a little bit dicey, admittedly so. Now, there is an element where I think students under the athletic department umbrella could get great care, could be well taken care of, but the bottom line is you're still putting 18 to 22-year-olds out on a field, hitting each other, coming into close contact, and then you're putting them back out in the community, and then you're having them come back again. And I... I worry about just the ability, like, again, we've, I think baseball was a good jumping off point for this because we've seen how four or two tests in St. Louis sets off cancellation of games, two tests. Yeah. We're talking about rosters now in baseball of 30, these college ones, they're like 80 scholarship guys. Then you then you include walk-ons. So Oh, dude. And Include I equipment staff, and training staff, coaches, trainers, nutritionists, yeah. mm -hmm. all, all of that. And I, I think one of the big problems or or concerns with it is one, just the, the, the sheer numbers. But now I'm also thinking, OK, there's an element of this that maybe we're expecting. Yes, certain guys are going to get it. They'll go into quarantine. We'll keep moving. Baseball is showing us that's not the way they're going to be able to go about it, where you just remove those with infected with the virus and you put in people who don't, I thought that maybe that might be the way that football and all sports who are proceeding would go about it. But the way baseball is saying, well, no, we're going to shut down until we know more for certain teams. If that happens across the board in football, I don't know how you get through a PAC 12 season. And I, I think there may be teams that could manage it, but expecting all teams, team 12 teams to manage it simultaneously seems like it's going to be a tough task. I want it to happen. I'm not sure at this point how it happens. I don't either. And the only way I do see it happening is something that I consider to be literally the moment for college athletes. This is it. This is your moment to capture. This is your moment to act upon right here. If you ever want to make a salary and be compensated for what you do, this is the most leverage you will ever have ever. If I'm a if I'm a college football player, I am working tirelessly at this point to unionize. So that's what I'm doing. And I get it. I know the the, the carpenter story from Arizona mm -hmm. State. They said they didn't have enough time. That's ridiculous. At this point, you just have to assume as a student athlete, as a college football player, you're not going to play, dude. You're just not. 
And the only way that you're going to be able to play if you really want to is to get a bunch of dudes from your conference together and go, we need to demand salary and healthcare. Like now we have to have it for four guaranteed years. And after the pandemic's over, you have to continue it as well. Because if you really want us to go out there and risk our lives, literally, to play a game that we don't necessarily need to play just so that you can make money that you won't give us, that's unethical. So you played college sports. I, I don't I don't agree. I don't I don't disagree with you there. I think that especially right now, considering the risk that they're incurring, yeah. it's it is less defensible to have them play without compensation than ever before under these current circumstances. Now I don't, so I don't disagree with you there, but we know college kids aren't necessarily very well organized, at least in, in groups that they're, they're not, they're not fully matured adults yet. You used to play, no you used to play college football. So I, I want to know like legitimately and not into the nitty gritty details, but how would you go about this? Like what you're talking about on your team, like how does something like this happen? And would you actually expect your conference to pony up? And listen, here's uh, here's the interesting part about this, because I've actually thought about it, is that it would really depend on what point at which I was in my college career football. If you would have asked me in my redshirt freshman year, I would have told you that I'm going to play. I'm going to play no matter what. And I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. uh, if you would have asked me a year later, I would say I want to unionize. Uh, I want to get compensated for this because I think that it's important. And I think it's important for generations of players beyond me. If you would have asked me in my senior year, I'd go, oh, I quit. I literally would have just gone, you're going to pay for my last year of school, right? Right? Yes? Okay. Yeah, I quit. I'm done. That easy. That easy. Because at that point, to me, my body was so banged up, and I was so aware mm -hmm. of the fact that I was not going to play in the NFL, mm -hmm. and I did not want to play in the NFL, and we sucked so bad that I had become such a jaded realist that I was just kind of like, man, if I could just get this last year for free, like this would be sick. If I could just, just yeah. be a student like for a term and just chill, that would be very nice. I know that's a very petty way of looking at it, but to be but, quite honest, but that's a real, but that's a that, very realistic because it was your personal experience. Yeah, it, it was how you looked at it. Yeah. I, I would have just said, if you're going to pay for my school and there is a danger of me playing. And honestly, I would not care what my teammates would say about it. Because at the end of the day, what I would just tell them is, dude, no, I'm not going to go risk my life for this. Sorry. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm doing just not. Well, I think a lot of people want to do what's best for them. They also want what is best for them to be safe. And I and that's, I think, sometimes where we we have a tough time of like, there's almost like sides of this virus thing is that like there is there's there's sometimes a side that says like, like if everyone wants to play and they want to be safe, why don't we just go out and do it? Because wanting to sometimes doesn't always add up with actually being able to. And I, I think that there is enough desire from a lot of parties. Realistically, I'm not sure how safe it can be. I'm also interested now at this point in time with, so what are we, a, I guess we are about a month. six. I was going to say maybe like about five, a month. five weeks I think away. Most games was, well, I, okay. So September well, so Pac 26, like yeah, seven yeah. weeks away. Maybe And I was just thinking an original schedule because when I think about it, I'm like, okay, most of the games start like first week of September. And those are like the kickoff games. But so are, knowing the score yeah. now as a college student, what mm -hmm. would you be inclined to do? I mean, not, I mean, I know you said, you'd say, I'll just, I'm just not going to risk it, but you're talking about unionizing. You're talking about demanding revenue. Like how would you go about being a part of that? And do you think 
that there is enough time to work out something like that if that's a direction that they actually choose to go. I absolutely think there is because uh, there's no way in hell I think that September 26th date is actually real. I I think they're floating it, but I I think you're just going to run into too many problems. You you just are. I don't think it's going to happen on September 26th. Believe you me, I want to see football. I want to. I love football. I love college football. I love the NFL. I'm incredibly hopeful the NFL will do it because the NFL is kind of a nasty league and they'll do whatever they can to get any money whatsoever. So I'm pretty confident they're going to get dudes out on the field. But with this, I think somebody does uh, make a good counterpoint. 503-250-1080 on the fan text line. Maybe the schools should uh, make the athletes pay for the school out of pocket if no games uh, are played themselves. And you know what? I think that's a legitimate argument to be quite honest, but here's the difference. Again, as we said at the beginning of this segment, it's the player's leverage. It's totally. So if you have enough players who unionize and go, Oh, you want us to pay for it? We all quit. What do you want to do now? You want to, Oh, you want to go get some walk-ons to play at our place? You cannot find enough replacements. No, you cannot. To make it watchable. Yes. And the the replacements you do find are dudes who are C-level on their high school team. Right. And if you think people are going to tune into CBS, 10 million people are going to tune into a CBS game with uh, Alabama versus Texas A&M watching high school average players. You got another thing coming, man. Well, we have an interesting situation on our hands here. We also have an interesting take about uh, players choosing to opt out. We'll get to that next, but first, Will, with the Sports Center update. From Scott to a little funk slash house. I don't now, know. I don't know what we're getting my, into. This now. is me. Oh, this is your jam. I think I got one selection. He was like, "All right, you can do a song this week." And I was like, "Okay, this one." This is your one song. Yeah. Cool. I like it. If this fits your vibe, though. You are listening to The Sinner and The Saint. I'm Ryan Buckley filling in for Luke Anderson. On the other side of the glass, Will Darkins running the board, producing, doing all things. Um, We were talking a little bit about college football, the Pac-12 schedule coming out. Will thinking that now is the time for the the athletes to unify and demand a little compensation before this thing gets going. One text coming in on the text line. Will, with Title IX, how can you pay the football players? It's a very good point. Because you will have to pay everybody. Yeah, that 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 is a big time obstacle for what you were suggesting. Not that what you're suggesting doesn't make sense. And I I think that you know it's going to happen at some point. I I truly do believe that. I it's, think so too. It's either that or what you're going to start to see is players that are incredibly good that already have enough potential will just completely forego college and they'll go play in one of these like two year league things. Or they'll go to like the AIG Academy or, you know, it, it'll turn into a like us and them type of situation where, uh, you know, a lot of the talent will dry up in college ranks and that you'll start to see kind of a lower talent levels go to college to play because those guys aren't as serious about going to the NFL. See, you know, when I got recruited and I went to Oregon State, I got to tell you, man, I, I literally at no point thought i'm gonna go to the nfl i maybe yeah, i think you i think you told me it was like three practices in or something like or three plays like, into practice i don't literally know literally first day of fall camp freshman year i maybe had an inclination about it i was like man that would be cool if i could play it wasn't even the thought of like oh i'm gonna do it i'm getting to the league blah, blah, blah. it was like yeah maybe i could i first day of fall camp i just go nope never yeah everybody is 
like triple my talent. The best I could do is start. I thought that and I go, that's going to be my goal. I just want to start. If I can start, that's cool, dude. I'm good with it. And so to me, I don't feel like I was unfairly compensated. I, so you think you got what you deserve I, I for what you did? Exactly what I thought I wanted to mm -hmm. get with the amount of work that I put in. And so I, I think that at a certain point, again, you'll start to see kind of this separation of guys who are serious about going to the NFL who go, look, dude, you got to pay me in the interim. You got to give me like, what, 500K uh, to do this for two years. Mm -hmm. And they'll go to these kind of ancillary leagues. And then you'll have guys like me who probably a little bit more talented, but guys who really don't want to go to the NFL but love the idea of getting compensated for college. Sure. I love the idea of continuing their football career for another four years. Yeah. Makes and you sense. Know, hey, if you, if you want to go to the league at that point, you still can, but there's another option. There's this option where you are really effing good and you already probably with just one year could go to the league. If you really want to, why don't you make 500 K in the process? So we've seen, and I'll be interested to see um, what opt outs in college football look like coming up over the next month or so. I think we kind of saw the first big one uh, just yesterday or, uh, or, or Thursday when a, a projected first round defensive back out of Virginia tech just said, I'm not going to play this year. I'm going to focus on the draft. Uh, I, I think that could be the case with uh, a bunch of star players, but just across the board in all the sports, we've seen some opt outs. We've seen baseball, basketball, football. Um, and I read, a, I read a tweet earlier this morning that you said, Oh, we have to read that. So here it is. This is Danny Canale. He said, not a criticism, but I wonder if the pro athletes opting out realize they are taking on way more risk, leaving stringent testing, strict protocols, extreme protection and extreme protections than they are not being in that environment unless they just go home and never leave their house. Oh, no. <laughs> what will they ever do in their million dollar mansion? <laughs> I do. I there. There's an element where I agree that pro athletes are probably getting the most stringent and safest testing out there. But I, I don't know that I believe that it is um, safer for them to be playing contact sports than it is for them to not be playing contact sports. Here's what I'll say. And I think the perfect example of all of this was Vaughn Miller. Vaughn Miller tested positive, right? Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, who knows? Pre-existing conditions. He had asthma. That's right. Yeah. And he... Uh, I remember he had an interview on ESPN right after this happened. And he basically said, look, man, I'm telling you, this thing's really serious. And he goes, uh, which is good. But then he goes, I literally did everything right. I stayed in my house. If I went out to get groceries, I just stayed in my car. I, I didn't do anything wrong and I still got it. And in my head, I kind of went, no, shut up. Yes, you did. You did something. And I'm not saying that you were uh, flippant about it and sure. that you meaningfully did it. Just, You're not saying Von Miller was clubbing, but just that he probably could have been more no, careful somewhere. Somebody went out and did something and probably came back to your house and gave it to you, dude. Like that, that's probably what happened. But now that we know how this thing transfers and now that we know that these athletes or that we've always known that these athletes have such incredible resources, you gotta be kidding me that they wouldn't be safer in their massive mansions, isolating themselves, having people deliver food to their homes and staying with their families, which, by the way, they don't have to go to work because of the whole, you know, money thing. Right. Their families don't have to leave the house either. No. And you have kids. Oh, well, you can probably get them homeschooled because the whole money thing. So to me, I think that argument is kind of ridiculous because you're putting yourself in harm's way. Now, if you're a dude who's only two years into the league, like different story. Yeah, probably would be safer because you're living in. 
I don't know, an apartment most likely. Yeah. You know, you, you haven't really put roots down yet. And, you, you know, again, you've only played for a couple of years. So who knows if you're going to be on the roster next year, <laughs> this year, to be quite honest. But right. I, I just, to me, that, that's ridiculous. I, and I know they're saying that with college kids too, right? It's like, oh, they're going to be safer around the team facility. And I call BS on that too, because you're putting them in a college campus and you're letting them run amok. Uh, together well so that and that's the thing too is and that's really the scary part you mentioned von miller i think in the baseball world freddie freeman he said he was doing everything right yeah um and, and it's not to say like we're crapping on saying no 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 you didn't do everything it's just like dude but don't just, say that because something happened well also but but they're getting it kind of just being at least from what we tell can tell based on the reports just through being normal people in yeah. everyday life because it's not it's not like the marlins going out to a club or lou Williams going to pick up his wings or like, or whatever. And the fact that it can be contracted in a way that is where you, you think you're doing things the right way or you're not engaging in high risk activities. That's the scary part because then you, you have people like players on the Marlins, college kids who are just like, no, I'm in college. Of course, I'm going to go out. Of course, I'm going to go to that party. Like that's going to be the tougher thing is that even when everyone's behavior is perfect, it's hard to manage when you get a couple for not, being perfect then it starts to spread like wildfire and that's when you really start to have problems yeah and you know i just i don't know man you know when this whole thing really became real to me was when i read an article in the atlantic that the title was you're probably gonna get covid Oui. i hope not i know right but after i read it and they went over these statistics and this was very early on after i read over the statistics and kind of these scenarios that they play out i was kind of like yeah, I'll probably get it at some point. And I just kind of resided to that. It was just kind of like, okay, you know, I've done everything. I'm a healthy person. Uh, you know, I work out incredibly consistently. You know, who knows what's going to happen? I know I'm rolling the dice and I am doing everything, man. I mean, I'm, I'm literally at my house all the time or I'm over here and that's it. And so it's just kind of like, you know, at a certain point, you kind of have to put your guard down and just say, you know, whatever happens, happens. And this is coming from the mouth of somebody who has no pre-existing conditions and no real health de uh, defects. Sure. But still, I, yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's tough to be sure. I think there's obviously the fatigue that goes along with it. You talk about like letting your guard oh, yeah. down. I mean, a lot of these people who are now trying to compete in these sports have had their guard up for so long. And now that they're being asked, raise that guard a little higher. It's tough to do. Yeah. It's, it's really tough to do. Have you, what's the thing you miss the most? Um, hmm, what is the thing I miss the most? Probably being able to travel uh, and, and, and like travel legitimately. Like I haven't seen my dad or my brother um, who are down in Northern California since before this started. And uh, I have been able to do some like socially distant stuff with my mom who lives in Newburgh, uh, but not being, I mean, my wife hasn't seen her parents at all. Uh, they live in Southern Utah. They're both older and um, would be you know, pre-existing. So I think not being able to interact with people that, you really value those interactions with um, who, are, who are further away. Cause you can still do stuff if you're close enough, but we're not making cross state trips to do that just yet. Yeah. You know, but um, listen, the NBA seems like they've got it figured out. At least their bubble concept mostly dialed in as long as you're not going to magic city for the Lou will lemon pepper wings. But the blazers <laughs> came back last night. The, uh, we have NBA action on the TV right now. Uh, and will, Really hates Mario Hazonia. We'll unpack all that and get you set for the rest of the weekend next on 1080 The Fan. Yeah, getting your yayas out with us on a Saturday morning. The Sinner and the Saint. 
Ryan Buckley filling in for Luke Anderson. I am alongside Will Darkens now. There was some uh, blame or music shade being thrown around earlier between Ska and uh, Will's picks. Whose pick was this? Uh, I think uh, something had to Or was this a team pick? I think something was going on that reminded us of Christina Aguilera, so we just picked this one. I would like to point out that you just said we're getting the yayas out with you. Yeah, I mean that's what they're doing. That's what we're doing. We're getting our yayas out. <laughs> Dude, I love it. That get your like get a, your yayas out. She's saying it right now. That sounds like a teacher thing. Honestly, you know what? My parents used to tell us that. Like before this was a lyric. Get like, the yayas like, out. Like, like you guys need to just go outside and get your yayas out. Like. Well, when we were just getting crazy inside or all like pent up, it had been you know raining too many days in a row or whatever. Like, okay, fine. Just go outside and get your yayas out. My parents used to tell us that. My mom's from Kentucky. Okay. And uh, whenever she thought somebody was doing something ridiculous, she said that they're uh, full of uh, blueberries and horse feathers. Wow. Where does it, did, did we ever, where did that expression come from? Did was there I never an asked. anecdote? Okay. Well, you need to, I just let that be. It's an oh, amazing. He's just full of blueberries and horse feathers. Like what? Well, one of those things doesn't exist—a horse feather. I mean, what's a, what's a horse feather? I don't know. Horses have fur, hair, not feathers. So says you. Well, but blueberries are a real thing. So, how do you combine this real agent <laughs> with uh, fake horse outsides? I think I you're thinking about it too rationally. Maybe. And I mean, I you like threw a ridiculous saying at me. And I would like to also point out, I'm watching the Miami Heat-Denver uh, game, by the way, tied at 28, mm -hmm. uh, start of the second. Um, they just did the on-court interview with head coach Eric Spolstra, uh -huh. and they uh, had a mic for him. So I think this is kind of an evolution that they're the doing The super now. long mic? Yes, because when they first started this, they just did a boom uh, above the head, so right. you couldn't hear them too well. So now they have shifted to the extra long pole mic. Uh -huh. So you know what's funny? Camera. I have seen and been in uh, press conferences that they've used those in the NBA because, like, when the Warriors started going on their run, they like they were overrun in their media room. They didn't have the facilities yet, and so if someone in the middle wanted to ask a question, they didn't want to pass the microphone through like twelve people. So they, they had PR the staffers stick. with this, these giant batons just reaching across the aisle with them. Yeah. yeah, it especially looked funny with Eric Spolstra because he just looks like a little boy. Like he is a he is a man boy. He will never he yeah, he doesn't ever age. He doesn't. He, he has looked the same age since he got in the league. Yeah, and you know sometimes I, I feel like that that uh, concept works very well for uh, women, not so much for men. Like I feel like men, if you look the same for a very long time, it's kind of unappealing. Hmm. But for women, it's like if you look the same as you did when you're young, like that's that's considered to be like a, a good thing. I, I think everyone wants to look young, no? Yeah, but like I mean, like you're saying reason, that you can like as a man, like be more distinguished as you age. Yeah, like you look like a boy. <laughs> you're just saying you shouldn't look like too much boy when you're a yeah, man. <laughs> I want a little bit more man in there. The one person who I will say has totally defeated this concept for me is my brother. Okay. My brother literally looks the same as he did in eighth grade, but in eighth grade, he looked like a man. Oh, okay. So it's very weird. He was the kid who got the facial hair early, hit the growth spurt early, and then he's just been a dude forever. Yeah, he's just a bro. Yeah. And it's really weird. And actually, it, the people, by comparison with me, it's made people think that I was adopted because uh, I look wildly different than I did as a kid. You're too damn boyish. And I swear to you, dude, this happened to me. Uh, I brought some friends from college over one time to my mom's house uh, during a break, and we went down to our basement. And my mom has a table where there's a bunch of family photos sure. laid out. And there were these pictures of me as a kid holding like, our dog. like, where's your third brother? 
dude, no, they go, who's that? And I go, that's me. And they go, that's not you. And I go, I swear to you, that's me. And they legitimately are like, no, no. come on, who is that? Is that like a cousin? And I had to bring my mom down to be like, that's me, right? And she's like, well, of course that's you. <laughs> like They're all full of blueberries and horse feathers. Uh, yeah, that's right. And my wife agrees with it too. She's like, yeah, you look wildly different. So you're like college to even did your bone structure evolve differently than the rest of us? Like what happened to you? I, I don't know. I, I don't know what, I mean, I even think like I've seen photos of you from when you were in college, like you look way different now than as will the football player granted, like, I'm guessing your body type is very different, sure. but like, but just in the, it's like, not you, even the you look like a different, you kind of do look like a different human. Yeah. And you know, I think one thing that did change it was also the glasses because yeah, I, I sported that, the yeah, glasses in like my mid twenties. And so then that kind of, I guess maybe changed some things, Sure, but you're totally right about that too, is the idea that like I weighed, I don't know, anywhere from 230, 240 pounds, uh, when I was playing, I'm like 205 now, but even the weight difference doesn't, it doesn't really factor into it. I don't know why I look so different. And it gets me paranoid to think that possibly I got my mind erased. Oh, going down that road. Okay. Well, that is a, that maybe had your mind erased. Now, if you'd had your mind erased, what do you think your opinion of Mario Hazonia would have been yesterday had you not known about him before? Because I wish I would have never heard of Mario Hazonia. Because honestly, we, we've had this four-month hiatus, but you were full of vitriol for the man coming off the bench yesterday. Blazers only played eight guys. Hazonia played 23 minutes. I thought a lot of what he did was defensible. Let me just go right across the line. 20, oh, please. 23 yeah. minutes, uh-huh. two of five field goals, one for two on three, uh-huh. three for four from the charity stripe. Okay. Four rebounds, two assists, three steals, two turnovers, four fouls, eight points, plus five on the plus minus. Okay. I'm, I'm Solid gonna, game. I'm going to get Solid rid of game. plus minus. I think plus minus is ridiculous generally, in the NBA. I generally agree that plus yeah. minus is worthless. Yeah. Throw in that the NBA, out. It was just, yeah. it was a fine, it was a fine game. Now, the the question or the issue I had was I didn't get why there would be a circumstance where Hazonia is bringing the ball up the court, but overall didn't have such a problem with his play. You, on the other hand, still very much against Mario Hazonia in his play. I just don't understand the point of having Mario Hazonia. What is the point of you? Yes. Like you're tall, you're large, but you're not that physical. You have a large reach, but you're honestly not that great at shooting. So you're perturbed at his general being? It just, he's not, he's not useful. Like, why didn't you play Anthony Simons? Just play Anthony Simons. See, and that, but at that's the thing score. is, I, well, I don't know. I, I feel like he shot the ball pretty poorly in the exhibition games. And I think there are a lot of people who are like, Anthony Simons might go out there and not score and then do a bunch of things wrong that Hazonia at least doesn't do wrong. I would just feel like all you got to do with Simons is play him like Jamal Crawford in a way, which is like, dude, just when he gets out there, run two plays for him. Let just him run, chuck. Yeah. Let him chuck, run two plays for him. If he can't produce in those two plays, put him into the background, get, get him out at the end of the quarter, whatever, put him in with five minutes left in the first half. Like that's all you have to do. Do that. Give him a couple opportunities to score so you can get some momentum going into the second half. I just, to me, Mario Hazonia is such a non-factor and somebody who down the line, even though you read me that line and that line is completely respectable. Yes, it's fine. But it's like, dude, every single one of these games are so important. Why are you putting white bread out in, 
in a buffet party. Interesting. Well, that, so here, here's terrible, the other thing too. Is terrible the, sentence, but <laughs> <laughs> I know what you meant. And here's the other thing is I don't really. I'm surprised that only eight guys played. I thought that conditioning might be more of an issue. I, I'm, I'm surprised that Damon CJ played 45 and 46 minutes. That's, I mean, I know how important these games are, like you said, and especially one against the Grizz, who you're directly competing with for a playoff spot. But, I mean, really, the fact that only eight players played, that was what surprised me the most, that there wasn't a couple more people like Nasir Little, like um, Anthony Simons, just shouldering the load a little bit. Yeah, dude, they're not throwing Nasir Little out there. I don't want to call him bust quite yet, but... See, I... I Project. Well, who, the thing is, who else do you have? Like, you you don't have any other minutes eaters on that team. Wenyan Gabriel, are you throwing him out there? Can we put a Plumley out there? I don't think we have one. I think Damn. there's one out there in uh, for Denver right now. Well, listen, Will, thank you for having me in to host this esteemed radio program with you. It has been a blast. I always enjoy our time together in this studio. And uh, for you out there, listeners, thank you for joining us this Saturday morning. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, appreciate the text coming in on the text line, 503-250-1080. Um, we are done here for today. This program will be back next week at this time. You're listening to 1080 The Fan. Have a great day. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.